the biggest thing we are doing in Istio project is this new thing called Ambient Service Mesh. Uh, I actually wrote a book about it last year. Welcome to the Open at Intel podcast, where we're all about open source, from software to security to innovation and beyond. I'm your host, Katherine Druckmann, an open source evangelist at Intel, bringing you leading edge, free ranging conversations from some of the best minds in the open source community. Let's get into it. I spoke with Lynn Sun, the director of open source at Solo.io at the All Things Open conference. We discussed the Istio project and its community, and she gave me a rundown of ambient service mesh along the way. So stick around for more cloud native goodies. Hi, Lynn. I'm so glad to have you today. As a passerby recently said, you are a bit of a celebrity in the cloud native world, or at least we certainly think of you as one. Um, so I'm really happy to have you talk to me today. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much, Catherine, for having me. Honestly, I never thought I would be a celebrity. Well, it would be nice. Swarna says you're a celebrity. You're a celebrity. <laughs> That's very kind of her, for <laughs> sure. Oh, I love it. You know, it is funny. It is. I don't like to dwell too much on, let's say, people who are more well-known and influential and all that. Because, you know, again, we're a community, open source. Everybody contributes in some way. But... It is also nice, I think. Um, it, make, it makes me feel good about the work that we do that people are celebrated. People are celebrated for, for the things that we value, right? People are celebrate, celebrated for their contributions and, and for really giving back to the community. Can you tell us a little bit about the type of work that you do and, and specifically with the open source community? Yeah, absolutely. I've been involved with the open source community for the past 10 years, 10 plus years now. It's actually really, I feel like it's really hits uh, what I'm really interested in to be able to collaborate with people outside of the company. So uh, I've started as a Apache committer in one of the Apache project called Apache Geronimo. And then I started as a maintainer in Apache Ares. And then most recently, I started as one of the maintainer and also on the leadership team for the Istio project. And as part of working on Istio, you know, I also changed in company, but it's so cool. I still got to work on the same open source project. Yeah, that's right. For those who don't know, what, what can you tell us a, l a little bit? Uh, what can you tell us about Istio? What, what do we need to know about Istio and yeah, where it fits into the landscape? Absolutely. So Istio fits right in the landscape of cloud native service mesh. So if you're not familiar with service mesh, what service mesh essentially provides you is a programmable framework to allow you to connect, secure, and observe your microservices so you don't have to package libraries in your application code to be able to connect, secure, and observe your microservices. Uh, so Istio is an implementation of service mesh. It's the most popular service mesh out there and it's adopted by hundreds and thousands of organizations. It recently graduated as a CNCF graduation project. That, that's an exciting process, actually. To, it's something certainly worth celebrating. What can you tell me about your interaction with the community specifically? Yeah, so as a community, so I wear different hats in the Istio community. At the beginning, I was, I actually did a couple of roles in the community. So I did a test release workgroup lead 
I did release management, I did a product security community member, I was on the steering committee member, I was also on the technical oversight committee member. So I do kind of a lot of work for the community and uh, making sure everybody is aware of Istio's, um, Istio's benefit and how easy Istio could be for simple scenarios. I also unblock people as far as contribution, as they contribute to code to the community, sometimes they hit a roadblock uh, and I try to work with other uh, technical leaders in the community to un, uh, unblock them contribution to be able to find the right solution for them. I also contribute myself, but a little bit less on code uh, recently because uh, I've been more focused on education of a user, making sure they have they understand Istio and where Istio is headed. So, I, I would like to talk a little bit more about Istio, but before we we do that, um, I'm always curious about what makes open source people tick: maintainers, contributors. How did you first get started uh, contributing to community projects? That's a great question. For me, it was uh, kind of part of my job, so made it so easier. So uh, IBM, back when I was at, uh, working at IBM, uh, IBM acquired a small company uh, that does like uh, web server, uh, Java EE uh, implementation. And that company was based purely on open source uh, called Apache Geronimo. So I started as uh, working on the open source team after the acquisition. And uh, my manager basically tell me, hey, look, we need to generate some noise uh, in the community. We need to be able to show IBM contribution. Uh, we need to be able to sit on the leadership team uh, as part of the contribution so that if the acquisition, like the acquire the developer, if they happen to leave, this is a critical project for IBM. So we want to make sure, you know, we also have some IBM team to be able to uh, gain a status in the community. So it's it's actually really cool when you think about that as your part, you know, full-time job. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like a lot of people I work in the open source community, it's their like uh, side job. Yes, it's like they are using our open source project and they find a bug and they don't really have somebody else to fix the bug and then they are so great that they come in and fix the bug for the community and for themselves too. So I was very lucky. I was one of the full-time open source developers that, you know, basically told by my manager just gain a status in the community, you know, oh, do good fantastic. work yeah. as needed by the community. Yeah. That's great. That's, it, um, I was also fortunate enough to be in a position like that where it was actually my job to contribute. 100% of my time was contributed to open source projects. And I think it, that actually speaks, speaks to, to a lot of things in, in, the, in the open source community, but, the, but being a good corporate citizen it, is really what that's about. And it's so important to have large corporations that can fund that level of contribution. Again, that's very nice to see. What advice would you have for, for, for people who have not yet contributed to community projects? Maybe they're very experienced engineers, developers, but have not actually had maybe the opportunity or the interest yet in uh, doing that sort of public community development yet. 
Yeah, so I think it's really, really cool to be able to allocate whether it's a small percentage of your time or if you're lucky, like 100% of your time uh, to open source projects. Uh, I would say, you know, don't be shy. We find a lot of people can still get frustrated when they submit a PR, they've got some pushback, right? Uh, try to understand what the maintainers is really for when they push back a particular PR because you have to think about at the end of the day, the maintainers are not looking at one single PR. They are looking at the maintainability of the project and who else is asking for certain certain bug or features, right? So for bug fixes, it's normally a little bit easy for maintainers to accept. Uh, but for features, I would recommend you to try to find out other people in the community who can advocate for you, who have similar requirements. Because a lot of times uh, when there's only one particular user asking for a particular feature, it's much harder for maintainers to accept it. It would be way easier if it's like multiple people asking for the same thing. So I guess my advice would be don't be shy, trying to find out who are the key persons, players in the community and reach out if needed uh, to, to the community leaders and potentially other users who have similar requirements as you. Um, the other advice I would give is I find out open source contribution can be super, super rewarding because a, a, lot, a lot of time at the end of the day, almost nobody cares about what you are working on if you're working on an enterprise product, right? Only your company, right. only your customer really care about and nobody else really are interested and Good you point. can be perceived as a salesperson when you talk about your enterprise product. But working in open source allows you to make friends, meeting people at conferences, and reaching the same goal. It's just super, super cool. Something I've never experienced uh, when I was working on enterprise projects before. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, I'm right there with you. I, I think that's really the best part. So going back to Istio, what, what kind of exciting things can you, updates can you give us? People who are, especially people who are users of, of Istio, but maybe not quite as plugged in to the community? Yeah, so I mean, the biggest thing we are doing in Istio project is this new thing called Ambient Service Mesh. Uh, I actually wrote a book about it last year. It's basically, we've listened to a lot of users who look at Istio and felt like we want service mesh, but we don't want to pay for whether it's the cost or the complexity of the sidecar, right? They don't want to run the sidecar uh, with their application and, uh, you know, keep restarting their application because every time there's a CVE with the sidecar, they would have to reboot uh, restart their application, which they have to plan very carefully with the downtime. So this is exactly why we introduced uh, Istio Ambient Mesh, uh, a new data play mode allow you to run Istio, uh, run your application in Istio without sidecar. So uh, very, very excited about it. I do believe uh, this would help Istio project attract way more users uh, than sidecar. Um, in the next uh, one or two years when Ambient is production ready. We've got a lot of excitement around Ambient. 
Um, so really excited about that. If you're running with sidecar today, though, I do want to let you know, make sure you rest assured that uh, sidecar will stay with Istio for a very, very long time. So there's no pressure to move to this sidecarless mode. Ambient is really designed to capture the users who walk away from Istio uh, because of the complexity of the sidecar. Ah, that's a that that's a really great angle, frankly, and something that's that's very much needed. I think, in other words, improving developer experience, improving the experience of using any kind of project, may, easing the path anywhere in, in in using I think open source software is 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 very important. It's an interesting phenomenon I think that happens when you're heavily involved in a particular project, where you kind of you get so embedded in it and you, you you know everything that's going on you know every 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 line of the change log everything that's going into every commit maybe whereas and you kind of take things for granted i think uh from a user perspective right things maybe don't seem so complicated to you and i think it, it's it's really quite fantastic when you when you can kind of ease that burden on the other side but then also again you mentioned you know there's no reason to stop sidecar is fine if, if that's working for you, <laughs> so right? Yeah, exactly. There's no reason. So, so taking that into consideration and not pushing people to something newer and better, faster, greater, you know, too soon is also, I think, also an important part of this kind of you know, community awareness. Yeah, definitely. We've had a lot of users very, very happy with Saika. Uh, interestingly enough, when people are not have. Uh, not happy with Saika, they tend to speak up more. So there are people, you know, get on the Twitter and complaining about Saika, uh, but there are actually less people talk about how happy they are, you know, adopt Istio with Saika, right? So we don't want to, you know, mess up our happy exactly, user. We yeah. want to make them continue to be happy. They are welcome to move if they want to, but they don't have to. I, we realize it's a really hard decision for those teams because they already have the infrastructure in place for Sidecar. They already gone through all the learning and complexity with Sidecar. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think... Um Again, as technologists, when you're focusing on innovating, right, improving things and, 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 and that sort of thing, you, it's, it's, it's easy to lose touch with how difficult it is, right, yeah. when you're a user of something to make major changes. You can sometimes be asking a bit too much of the user. So I think the fact that you would take it, you, you've approached it with such respect for your existing user base, I think is, is, is tremendous. I wanted to ask you also, again, maybe moving a little bit away from the yeah, Istio work. Sure. Um, generally, what you're excited about in the open source world right now? I think there's so much going on. I mean, I can say that about any any point in history, but I feel like right now there are some really important conversations. There are important conversations about security, important conversations about AI. There's a lot of innovation happening right now. Maybe we're at an inflection point in a few industries. I wondered if there was anything that you're particularly interested in outside of maybe your day to day. Yeah, so definitely my day-to-day -day is uh, focused on Istio and security, right? I've kind of gone through a lot of education myself on service mesh and security space. What, what I do think next uh, coming, though, is this AI thing that's been, you know, kind of helped me to do my job sometimes too, right? Sometimes I have particularly 
uh, concepts around security, I feel like I don't fully understand, and I actually go to ChatGPT, and sometimes I find out ChatGPT doesn't always give me the right answer, but it does have a pretty solid understanding a lot of times. Uh, it's it's interesting. You kind of uh, kind of you have AI give you the answer, and then you kind of have to score the AI mm, yeah, uh, response absolutely. to you, right? Sometimes you feel like, oh my gosh, it's perfect. Sometimes you feel like, no, this oh, is like too so convoluted. I don't think yeah. uh, it actually hits the point, but it. It's nice in a way that it gives me a different opinion. You know, instead of I ask somebody, you know, I have this AI who's they are doing work for me without me, you know, have to pay anything and get the response right back, right? Because if I ping you, Catherine, maybe you are an expert, but you don't necessarily reply to me. And if right. you do reply, typically maybe it's a few days uh, uh, or a few hours later, with AI, you know, that faster response, it's just amazing. Even though it's not quite right, I do believe over the time when more people ask questions, when more the feedback loop is in place, it will be more interesting. And what I'm asking AI right now, it's simple stuff. I mm -hmm. do imagine down the road, Maybe we'll do less keyboard, right? Because, uh, yeah. I mean, how many developers actually hurt their fingers and necks every day, you know, working on the keyboard? Maybe we can be more conversational, tell AI, hey, deploy an Istio cluster in my Kubernetes cluster for you. Hey, enroll my application into the service mesh for me. Maybe it will be more conversational type of thing. Yeah. I just don't think right now it's mature for that phase. But I can see it's coming. I think that's yeah. I think that's an absolutely reasonable expectation. I you know I think you, you said something when you ask somebody a question about their own expertise, right? I mean that's how we interact as humans. I can envision a near future where experts in a, in a field that have maybe written a lot about certain topics or prolific authors, um, prolific content creators, can, an AI can be trained on that person's expertise. And be available, you know, yeah. that and be available to answer questions. It's like a replicate of that. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's such a machine weird thought, but, but it's a more optimistic take, I suppose, on that potential. But I do think there is that potential. But the key at the end of the day is you need to manage uh, what AI gives back Absolutely, to you, right? Yeah. Because you have to say, is this yes or no, or should I make changes to it? So you still. I hope, you know, still human's intelligence is still important along with yes, the AI. Yeah, I'm trying to think, you know, it's a tool to help us do a better job. But at the end of the day, somebody who's a human still needs to make the decision, see if this is the right thing. Are you optimistic about, about um, the potential of AI in software security? Like, uh, again, coding assistance, um, improving code quality and, and, and security best practices and kind of the low-hanging security fruit, the, the stuff that's, that creates I suppose, common, more common vulnerabilities. Are you optimistic about that? I think so. I, I certainly I've never think uh, AI would 100% uh, replace human. But uh, instead of I running the CVE scan, uh, if the machine can do the work for me, and then what's best is if I can just tell them to do the work with me learning the tool and how to do the work, I think that's pretty amazing, right? 
And, yeah. But I think at the end of the day, I still have to score the response from the AI to think out, uh, can I trust this, right? right? Is this good enough? Is this better than me? <laughs> or can I do better than what the AI does? I think you always have to ask those type of questions. It's a little bit scary, um, but I do think maybe we can be more effective with that, right? Maybe we can accomplish more. Because at the end of the day, I always feel like we don't have enough time. Nobody does. <laughs> yeah, maybe that. Maybe that's it. Maybe it just goes back to the the old saying, you know, automate the easy stuff. Yeah. Focus on the hard stuff. Yeah. So we can frame our brain to focus more on strategic the more, stuff, the interesting stuff. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. Well, um, yeah. I wonder, it, it, was there anything else that you wanted, especially, to share? Um. Well, I guess I'm just super excited to be part of the open source community. Uh, super excited about well service mesh and Istio is going. Super excited and interested to see what's next really for AI and how some of these technologies can intersect, right? And make our jobs a little bit easy and hopefully we all be more efficient with the AI, right? Yeah. It's like, I feel like it's coming whether you are adopted or not. So That's better embrace it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I love it. I, like, I enjoy your optimism. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. And also, thank you for all of your contributions. Thank you for being a leader in the space. In well, the thank you so much for having me. It's so cool uh, what Intel is doing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we have a, we have a pretty great group over here. And I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of it, to be honest. So I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Same here. You've been listening to Open at Intel. Be sure to check out more from the Open at Intel podcast at open.intel.com slash podcast and at Open at Intel on Twitter. We hope you join us again next time to geek out about open source.